The darker the night, the brighter the stars Everything's fun to a young heart When you find out what your heart used to be It's gonna feel like you've been dreaming Love if you want the truth, anything's possible you can walk up on the moon Or you can watch it roll It's never in the stars It's in your heart Yeah, you'll be kicked around But get up anyway And you'll be broken into better shape Broken into better shape I was one more mistake for me this is Pastor Glenn Thomas of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Early as the COVID-19 pandemic began to make its way around the world, I endeavored to write down some reflections on the meaning of this moment and what we might take from it. Been adding new material for several months now, including some thoughts on the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter protests as well. You can read these essays on my blog, Plains Words, plainswords.blogspot.com. If you have thoughts or comments about these words, use the blog to post your reply or send me an email at gthomas at smlutheran.com. Theme, community. Thing two, why do we have neighbors anyway? No one comes into the world alone. Adam lived in the very intimate presence of his creator, and the first thing God discovered about Adam was how much he needed an other, a helper. And when none of the creatures God made for Adam fulfilled that need, God did the most amazing thing. God made from one, two. The same at the most fundamental level, yet also fully and truly discreet. A duplicate with distinction. Harmony within individuality. And thus began the great conundrum that we call community. We have a love-hate relationship with other people. Sometimes at the same time. Our need to belong and to receive recognition from others stands in contrast to our need to self-actualize as individuals. Or at least we think it does. While the modern world fancies the two in competition, faith knows a greater truth. They are hopelessly interwoven. Sacrifice for another is the highest personal achievement for any human being. It defines us. We are never our best selves until we are our best selves for someone else. That is an uncomfortable paradox. So much so that we have raised its antithesis to godlike status. We believe and live as if self-actualization is an individual work and a soul, S-O-L-E, not S-O-U-L, reward. 
we suppose that the highest value in this world, and especially in this nation, is to have no dependence on others, no obligation or burden. We desire most to have agency in our own life, to owe nothing to anyone, to earn what we have and keep what we get and give nothing in return. Now we will say that giving to others is a fine thing, but works of charity, as we practice them in this world, serve mostly to enhance our self-identity as good people or demonstrate our capacity for empathy and increasingly hard-to-find virtue. Yes, we care about important causes. Yes, we care about other people. But charity is practiced in the language of us and them. We write checks. We attend benefits. We put in time at the local soup kitchen or food pantry. And then we return to our own world, our own life, just as we left it. Which, of course, all but guarantees that the work is never done. It turns out that Jesus knew what he was talking about when he told Judas, You will always have the poor with you. Maybe we'll like it this way? Jesus probably knew that we would fall in love with ourselves to the detriment of our neighbor. Maybe he was just mocking the disciples. Maybe he was testing them. Now, of course, it has become our national mantra. Serving the poor becomes an opportunity to gain community service cred without endangering the status quo. Saul Alinsky's upstream story captures our problem. Imagine a large river with a high waterfall. At the bottom of this waterfall, hundreds of people are working frantically, trying to save those who have fallen into the river and have fallen down the waterfall, many of them drowning. As the people along the shore are trying to rescue as many as people as possible, one individual looks up and sees a seemingly never-ending stream of people falling down the waterfall and begins to run upstream. One of the other rescuers hollers, Where are you going? There are so many people that need help here. To which the man replied, I am going upstream to find out why so many people are falling into the river. We want to help. That is a good impulse, but it is a beginning, not an end. We are willing to give generously to help others up to, but never beyond the cost of our independence, never in any way that touches us or actually alters our world. And so nothing really changes. It's fascinating how such a venerable value has become our national shackle. For freedom Christ has set us free, Paul wrote to the new Christians in Galatia. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This conclusion to Paul's rant against self-righteous legalism evidently fell on deaf ears. Two millennia later, we still throw away the gift of grace for the fruitless and never-ending endeavor of trying to make something good of ourselves. Why? Are we so disappointed with what God has made of us? Seems that we are. We will never find community in its fullest sense until we confront our inability to embrace our connectedness with others. We are members of the same body, Paul reminds us, acknowledging the necessity of each other, contributing to the common welfare, rejoicing with the grateful, and protecting the weak. But we can never realize the fullness of this insight until we transform the way we live. No easy thing. We cannot be the people God made us to be until we stop being the people we made ourselves to be. That work 
requires us to name and confess deep, not entirely subconscious isms that distance us from our neighbor. Racism, sexism, ageism, ableism, there are others. It is a long list. We will have to finally and willfully own our own history, tear down its idolatrous monuments, stop pretending that its ghosts are not still wandering the world's streets right now. We will have to learn to say the words, I'm wrong. We will have to learn new ways to interact with family and friends who lack the courage or grace to acknowledge the truth themselves. And then we will be forced to go deeper. Those sins are merely outward manifestations of the original sin. The belief that our particular existence is, in and of itself, definitive. In the garden, the serpent tempted Adam and Eve with the promise of self-sufficiency. You will be like God, he assured them. Independent agents, knowing good and evil, fully endowed with the ability and the right to make our own choices, in full control of the consequences. That cliché remains at the heart of far too much of human behavior. We are so busy being ourselves that we have no time or energy to be anything else. Community is just a dream, a far-off dream. Community should be more. It should be our very identity. It should be as common to human life as breathing. It is the spirit of our baptism, and we need desperately to live it out. The failure of the faithful to be what we were made to be, what we were saved to be, comes at no small cost. It has been deadly to many. It has made life unbearable for all. We have failed our mission. We have failed our neighbor. We have failed ourselves. And we have no excuse. We know what we need to do. Join me next week for Thing 3, There is no I in Community. If you want the truth, anything's possible. You can walk up on the moon, or you can watch it roll. It's never in